Welcome to The Spirit Explodes with Roger Kirby. This is Acts Study 4, reading from Acts chapter 2, verse 41 through to chapter 4, verse 4. All about healing and challenging. Luke inserts several summaries of the developing situation into his account, of which chapter 2, verse 41, is the first. It reads, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. He then continues his account of those early days of the church in Jerusalem, reinforcing by repetition the points he wants to make. We start off by reading chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common selling their possessions and goods they gave to everyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It is not possible, unless you are very rich, to live in the way described in these verses for any length of time. Sooner or later, the money will run out. Somebody has to work and provide a steady flow of income. As Paul says in Second Thessalonians 3 verse 10, If a man will not work, he shall not eat. First question then. Why did Luke tell us about this necessarily limited period in the life of the infant church? What positive things is he stressing by doing so? His purpose must be his interest in telling us about the positively good things that were being done in that early church. There was clearly a deep concern to learn about the meaning of their newfound Christian faith and to live a life worthy of the Lord. It is hard for those of us in the calmer parts of the world to think just how different and difficult that will have been in the world of those days. He is stressing the togetherness of the early church, with the richer folk looking after the poorer people amongst them. The clear picture at the end of chapter 2, which will be repeated at the end of chapter 4, is of a close-knit community sharing their worldly possessions and ensuring that there are no great inequalities of wealth among them. It seems that the natural economic forces of globalism lead inevitably to greater and greater inequalities of wealth distribution. The poor stay poor, the rich get ever richer. Question 2. What can you do to resist this trend? Probably not a lot. But each one of us must try to help those who are poor, 
particularly when it is no fault of theirs. The second thing he is stressing is how much the early Christians were doing together. They were taught by the apostles what it was all about, together. They worshipped together, including the breaking of bread, or, or as we call it, the taking of communion. They ate together in each other's houses, and much of it they did in the temple courts, together, so everybody in Jerusalem could see and hear what was going on. That must have been a powerful way to attract other people to follow Jesus. True Christian fellowship is not a rushing together for an hour or so every Sunday morning, but a much more consistent activity, spreading through the week. Think about how you meet and fellowship with other Christians, and how you could do so more often and more consistently, to your mutual benefit. Now we read chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Question 3. You, like Peter, may be short of silver and gold. Peter was able to give healing to the lame man. What can you give to the lame, the lonely, the lost, or the lacking? Notice that I carefully said or in my list. Very few of us will ever be able to cover more than one of the list of shortcomings with any effectiveness. What is important is to identify our sphere of competence and to work within it with all the Holy Spirit's energies. If it is the lame, you will likely be a medic. If the lonely, you will be active in visiting. If the lost, you will be an evangelist. If the lacking, you will be a teacher of faith. Which are you? We read chapter 3, verse 11, through to chapter 4, verse 4. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, 
Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant made with your fathers. He said to Abram, Through your offspring all people on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Peter carefully said, It was not by their own power or godliness we made this man walk. Question 4. What does that warn us about? Too many people preaching round the world are quick to claim that it was their super-strong faith or special fullness of the Holy Spirit that enabled them to heal people. It is amazing how much influence those with enough self-confidence can wield on other people. B. 
be careful to look for signs of humility and the giving of all praise to God and the glory of Jesus, as Peter did, in those who would try to impress you, and indeed, in yourself. Question 5. Peter called for repentance, stating that it would have past, present and future effects, when he said, Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, past, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, present, and that he may send the Messiah, who has been appointed for you, even Jesus, future. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Which of these aspects, past, present or future, is most attractive to people in your world? How can we ensure that we understand and benefit from all three aspects? In our world, most people are not the least bit interested in repentance because they have no vision of sin as being a serious affront to a holy God. Any exceptions to that statement are probably only interested in the present anyway. Once we come to a knowledge of Jesus and what he has done for us, our interest in the past fades, for he has promised to forget our sins. Why should we remember them if he does not? We should, however, delight in the promise of a time of refreshing and look ahead in confident assurance that we will eventually be with him in the renewed world to come. Question 6. What was Peter calling for repentance from? Where does this rank in the list of terrible sins? What then can we conclude about the availability of forgiveness from really bad sins? Peter has just been accusing his hearers of handing Jesus over to be killed, and, he says, you killed the author of life. It is hard to think of worse sins than that. We may conclude that no sin is so bad that we cannot seek forgiveness from it by exercising true repentance. That's amazing. There is a great promise in what Peter said of a prophet like Moses. This prophet will be from your own people. He was to be a source of miracle signs, like Moses. He was to be listened to. Jesus fitted that prophecy perfectly. Many claims have been made since that somebody or other is this great prophet. But none have been remotely like Jesus, or for that matter like Moses. Do not follow anyone else. Thanks for listening. Come back to Partakers, www.partakers.co.uk, where every day there is something added to help you in your life as a Christian disciple. Thank you.